Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan, Brian Murphy, and Chris Jackson. Uh, Gentlemen, it is a Thursday, and for the first time all season, we have to play some long-awaited catch-up on some high school soccer. I always feel like we have to preface the very first high school soccer podcast of the school year with an apology, because (laughs) high school soccer comes at the absolute worst time of the athletic schedule from a coverage standpoint. It is sandwiched right in between the, the real meaningful part of basketball season so for a lot of us like how many high school soccer matches have you been able to get out to this season zero for brian devin Two. I just went to my first on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yet to cover one. So it, it's, it's all dependent on basically how soon our basketball coverage ends. Because late season, you know, high school basketball, when district championships, playoff races are at stake, that's just going to supersede just a, you know, a, you know, an, early, an early district uh, district match for soccer. And, well, and, and throw in a couple of weeks where we focus on realignment oh, and yeah. signing day and all that stuff in the middle of that's right when they're getting into, involved in their district season. Yeah, it's, it's tough. They always do catch the short end of the stick, but... But, um, but yes, with um, with our basketball coverage essentially being cleaned out now, we can finally turn our attention to high school soccer. And, and at um, least you don't look as bad as I do. My Frisco ISD is 14 district games in. They have four <laughs> games left. <laughs> and I'm over here like, sorry, guys. I'll play the same day as these third-round basketball games. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're just going to play a little bit of catch-up today. Now, obviously, we can't get to everybody. There's a ton of high schools out there that we have to cover. Um, but nevertheless, so, so let's focus on, I guess, some of the more prominent stories storylines right now as we enter in to the uh, to the home stretch because um, yeah there's really only a couple weeks left in the regular season um, I do want to start though by asking next week is spring break how many of your districts are playing district matches next week during spring break for high school soccer and I'm on none of yours for Devin they've changed the schedule to a Monday game we've got teams off later in the week so mm-hmm. it's just completely jungled up I was wondering why but I guess Spring break is just so early. How about you, Brian? Frisco SD taking the week off? They are taking the week off. Okay. Yeah. They've used it before as kind of a weather makeup time. For sure. I've, I've had games during spring break before. If, if we did get bad weather where they had to you know, cancel a couple of games or postpone them, I should say, they take advantage of that week off. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean – as far as I can remember, there's spring break for soccer is always off. Other sports, not so much. It's interesting for District 96A because they're off Friday as well. So we're basically now in the phase of kind of the, uh, the calm before the storm, so to speak, because after Tuesday's matches – District 96A will not resume action until March 17th. So they've got a pretty uh, a pretty substantial break right here. Um, now, granted, do you ever really get a break in high school soccer given the club commitments that a lot of these kids have? So, you know, take that for what it is. But I've had, I've had kids, uh, Wakeland, Mark Brabonis, yeah. tell me stories about after they played at State, they had to go play a club game the next <laughs> morning at 8 a.m. Yeah. And, and a lot of them have club tournaments and select tournaments during yeah. spring break, which is one yeah. of the reasons they like to take that time off because it's, it's a chance for a lot of them to go play with their other teams. These kids are 
are all being worked way too much. But right, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> you win a state title, oh, congrats, you got to play another big game tomorrow at 8 a.m. Yeah, the game you had no time to celebrate. That game ended at like 4 o'clock. Big, win a big state title, and then yeah. drive up from Georgetown to play a game at 8 a.m. the next morning. So, um, yeah, so with District 96A, they're going to be off for a little bit, but um, it's it's really setting up, though, for a fascinating final week because we have two just two matches left, two nights left, I should say, on the District 96A soccer schedule, and there is no team in the district that has locked in its playoff seed. Now, we have two teams in boys and girls that have clinched playoff seeds, Allen and Prosper. That's it, but they don't know what seed they're going to be. So, um, yes, so the district championship is far from decided. The four playoff teams are far from decided. So, um, yeah, Brian, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, on the podcast how it's it's great to see this budding rivalry between Allen and Prosper. I love as, it. As finally seeing a school that can push back on, on, on Mighty Allen and really across the board in all sports and whatnot. And you've really kind of seen that over the last year and a half with the job that Prosper has done acclimating to, to, uh, to Class 6A. Now, granted, as they build more high schools, who knows how much longer they're going to be a 6A team. So this rivalry might be a bit short-lived. But for the time being, though, it's been great. And wouldn't you know, but you look at the standings right now in 9-6A, both boys and girls, you have the Prosper girls who are number one two points ahead of Allen. And then on the boys' side, you have Allen number one, one point ahead of Prosper. So we are headed to, wouldn't you know, they play each other on March 17th, right, when district play resumes. So you're going to get essentially two matchups that could very well decide the district championship right out of the shoot. Isn't Prosper the only team to beat Allen in district as well? On the girls' side? On the girls' side, yes. yes. They're the only team to beat Allen, period, this season. <laughs> yeah, and, and Prosper is just coming off their, their first loss of the year to Plano West. Yeah, so and, that's, and that's what, like... That was the, a bit of a surprise. The, but... pl- the plot really did think it, though, because Prosper had just been destroying this district. I mean, the wealth of options that they had on offense, I mean, just racking up up four, five, six goals nightly, and just an absurd just goal differential and whatnot. But yeah, then, I mean, just a, uh, an uncharacteristic, perhaps they were just due for an off night against Plano West. I mean, it's 9-6-A. I mean, you're playing against some of the best competition, biggest schools. Mm-hmm. You're, is anyone going to go undefeated in that district? No. I mean, that's almost impossible. But I believe before the season started, everyone was picking Allen to win the district. At, at least that's what it seemed like. Not, and I'm not talking about just us. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like Allen was like the consensus number one team. But especially, you know, I I kind of had a hunch Prosper would be in that mix, especially, you know, they didn't lose a non-district game. With Allen, it's kind of been a curious season. It's almost been kind of a, I don't want to say a, like, because you just mentioned that they might have been the projected favorite to win the district. In some ways, you could, though, frame it that it's been kind of a surprise that they've been as strong as they have because they lost a lot of people. They lost a lot, but then they also had some kids that were, you know, projected returners that have since gone the club route. So, I mean, they've really only got just a few holdovers from that team that made a run all the way to the state semifinals. I think that saw, like, substantial minutes. You know, players like Anna Reza, Lauren Rhodes, but it's such a young team this season. They have 11 sophomores. Wow. I mean, so there was a ton of turnover and on the whole, though, they've been you know still one of the elite teams in the state. That loss to Prosper, a 3-2 loss, that's the only loss they've had all season. So in some senses like, they might be ahead of schedule in some respects. That's even, yeah, yeah, even in non-district. Oh yeah, because they, they beat Southlake in non-district. They beat Highland Park in non-district. I mean, they've got some really oh, quality Don't get me started wins. with Highland Park. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, you know, you brought up a good point. You know, the kids that go play academy. I've, I've been talking to some coaches the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and, you know, one coach in particular in Frisco was telling me, you know, they're at least in Frisco, and it's a big case all all throughout, you know, the Dallas area, the DFW. Man, there's handfuls of kids that are out playing academy that would be, you know, big-time players mm-hmm. at each of these high schools. And I'd love to see, you know, what these teams would look like full strength. And you look at, like, a team – like, I know we'll talk about Frisco mm-hmm. in a, a little bit later, but you look at a team like the Frisco girls' centennial team. 
you know, they're at the bottom of the district. And they, they won a state title four or five years ago. They've been a playoff team every year I've been covering Frisco, and now they're at last place. Well, they have a lot of kids playing academy. And it's not just them. It's just every school has, you know, at least a couple, some half a dozen, maybe even more that aren't allowed to play high school. And I'd love to see what these high school teams would look like. You know, I'm not saying they're automatically better than the kids that are on the high school team just because they play academy, but you'd think that they'd be elite talent. I'd love to see what these teams would look like, you know, quote unquote, full strength. There used to be days back when for Plano West, which, you know, is one of the most, uh, one of the most successful uh, soccer programs in the state, pound for pound with all their state championships. And there used to be days once upon a time during signing day when they would actually have to have two separate signing signings ceremonies, one for the kids that were playing for the soccer program within the high school, and then a completely separate soccer signing ceremony for all of the kids that went to the high school but were involved on the club side. They should have those two teams play against each other. It's it's the only sport where you can end the season and be like, well, you know... Was that the best team in the state? Just when you factor in all of the, uh, you know, just all of the kids that might go to a school that plays soccer, but how many of those kids actually play for the high school? It does often pose a uh, an odd hypothetical at the at the end of the season each year in soccer. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean with with District Nine Six A that you've had Prosper now that have been the class of the district. Um, you know, in the same case over on the uh, over on the boys side, although that boys district though has been it's really really competitive. Yeah. I mean, you have I mean with two matches left, you have seven teams. Seven of the eight teams are still in the hunt for a playoff spot. I mean, that's just that. It's wild. And it's just Plano's out of the mix, the only team. Which is, which is insane because that was a team that I think at the start of district when we were doing our, uh, our predictions for the final standings, I think we all had them in the playoffs. They returned just about everybody from a team that had a, uh, I mean, one of the better teams in the area to not make the playoffs last year. I mean, you get 23, 24 points in, in, a, you know, in your district. I think the year before that actually would have been good enough to finish third. Um, so they just it was just a really, really strong year in that respect. But, um, I mean, just a lot of signs pointed to this Plano team being able to take the next step and they just have not been able to get it right on defense at all this season but um but otherwise i mean yeah it's been just absolutely like nobody is safe i mean no matter where or where you're seated at i mean anybody has been able to beat anybody and you've seen that even like the first place team allen they have four draws and um but they're just you know they're just one point ahead of prosper and then you have a team like plano west that's you know made a big leap in the second year under uh, under brennan satry um and then you know the two mckinney schools are in the mix plano east and jesuit are you know are both you know just a you know one win away from being in that playoff mix it's it is setting up for a pretty wild wild home stretch pretty crazy mckinney boyd has five draws plano west has four oh, yeah that's just, that's about as even as it gets yeah. in, a, in a, you know from one to seven Devin, what about your districts man what's the uh, has there been a little bit more just sense in order over and over in Garland ISD or Mesquite ISD? Or? I mean, I, I got I have six districts where you have to start. Um, no, <laughs> Saxy, mean, let's hear Saxy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to start with 10 6 yeah. girls because that's where I was on Tuesday night. Uh, you had Ra- Rowlett and Wiley. Uh, they entered the night tied for first place. This has kind of been brewing for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. For a while, Wiley won the first meeting 5-2. to two, uh, and Again, they jumped on Rowlett, scored four goals. Yeah. In the first half, which is more than Rowlett had allowed in the rest of their district games combined, um, so it was a showdown for first place, and it was a really good match. Uh, Rowlett uh, was able to get a, a measure of revenge; they win three to one. Um, Reagan Powell gets the game winner. Uh, Reagan Powell is kind of an overlooked player. I mean, when you hear about people talk about top prospects and whatnot, she's an Alabama commitment. She has thirty-eight goals this season. Holy moly! Yeah, and, and this and this is not against this is not against playing subpar competition. I mean, right? That's that's a solid district that they're playing in, and they play tough, just you know, non-district competition. So, you know, Taylor Conway scored twice the other night. She's got nineteen goals and sixteen assists. So. 
Rylet edges out to you know they do the points. We always have to so it's you always have to kind of figure out okay shootout overtime how did how did this happen? So Rylet has thirty points. <laughs> Wiley drops back to second with twenty seven yeah. points, and Saxy. Uh, has 27 points. Saxy's just been kind of lurking. They were actually in first place for a while, and they lost to Rowlett, and they lost to Wiley in the first game of the mm-hmm. second half of the season. So they kind of fell off the radar a little bit, but they keep winning. And keep in mind, this is a Saxy team that has won at least a share of the district championship nine straight years. Uh, last year in the season finale, in the district finale, I should mm-hmm. say, uh, they, they trailed Rowlett by a point coming in, uh, scored a late goal. Uh, to win three to two, and they caught Rowlett to keep their streak of district championships uh, alive. And as fate would have it, on the final day of the regular season on March twentieth, Saxy hosts Rowlett. So as um, it should be, yes. And so it's it's still going to come down. And, and I talked to you know Coach Jason Fergress from Rowlett, and you know they're not getting ahead of themselves, but they know that that, that there was a huge win on Tuesday in a, in, a, in a game that they had circled on their calendars. But they know there's another big one coming up, and you know Saxy, in all likelihood, is going to have the chance to force that tie. Uh, and extend that streak of district championships with a win. But, again, Rowlett got him 3-1 to one, or 4-1, to one, a solid win the first time. So um, it should be fun. Uh, like I say, as far as my other girls' district, let me t- just touch on those real quick. Uh, we still have two weeks to go. Mesquite ISD is out of 11-6A. Mm. Uh, that's, that's been one where Tyler Lee's and then the Rockwall schools have kind of run away with it. Uh, same kind of similar thing in 13-5A where yeah. Forney's run away with it. I think Boteed is in really good shape to make the playoffs. West Mesquite could make a push, but um, – you know, as far as the girls' side of things, 10 6 is where most of my drama is. Boys, drama all over the place. So. <laughs> oh, did you want me to keep going oh, with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't you know we were just kicking somebody else for a while. Yeah. I've been talking for long enough. You can't just leave me with a cliffhanger oh, like that. Oh, yeah, I want no. to hear about this I mean, drama. I know, I know this is soccer. I mean, we've got yeah. all this stuff to catch up on here. Um, no, 10 6 boys is kind of similar to the girls. Just, uh, just I guess, the, just the biggest thing going on right now. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. Well, 10 6 yeah. is, is, is the Rowlett because you have – Four te- the top four teams separated by six points mm-hmm. uh, going down the stretch, and they've all beaten each other. I mean, Rowlett's in first place with 25 points, Naaman 23, Saxe 22, North Garland 19. But this has been one of those districts where even the, the teams at the bottom of the districts can compete at the mm-hmm. top. I mean, they've, they've had 15 matches go to overtime or shootouts. Um, and that's across the board. You know, Rowlett's in first place, but they've gotten four shootouts. And it's not just been against that top tier. It's been against, you know, your Lakeviews and your Garlands and your Wileys who, you know, you don't have a team that's sitting down there with zero points or two points. Even the last place team has nine points. So they've been able to, to go out and, and win uh, on occasion. So um, like like on the girls' side, you know, Saxon Rowlett playing the season finale on March 20th. Uh, as far as those top four teams go, that's the only matchup between – that upper tier. Uh, so you're kind of looking at those other teams trying to avoid pitfalls. But as I mentioned, that that second tier has proven to be, you know, the ability to, to win mm-hmm. um, against the top. So it's, I, every time I do the standings, I'm shuffling people around all season long, and I, I don't expect anything different here these next couple of weeks. Uh, Chris, with District 6XA between Louisville, ISD, and Capel, obviously an area that is never lacking in quality talent when right. it comes to high school soccer. Um, so as you've been kind of getting familiar with this district, and I guess specifically Capel, with what um, with what they've been able to showcase. What is um, what is kind of your read right now on just what is the thing that has jumped out about District Six Six A so far as we near the home stretch? Well, I think you pretty much said it with Six Six A. With I mean, those school districts, there's so much talent there. Girls, boys. I mean, girls, you've got four teams ranked in the top 
18 top 20 in the country by top four soccer. You've got boys. You've got Firemount Marcus is fourth in the country. And Capel just beat them in boys, by the way. Now, yeah. Capel didn't win one of their first six games. Now they're in a playoff spot. It's just so like, absurd for Capel, given their history. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, they just want to say championship a few years ago. Obviously, yeah. a lot of expectations. Playoffs 20-plus straight years. I went there yesterday, and they just said everything completely changed. They some, they got a lot of new guys coming through the program, and they just kind of thought we're Capel. We'll let the returners kind of take over. Mm-hmm. We'll be okay. But then it just kind of clicked four or five games in that, no, we got to work for it. Yeah. We can't just walk in saying we're Capel soccer. They made formation changes four in the back, so many different things. And they got the sophomore goalie, Arath Valdez, who they're really high on. Now they're in the playoffs, but they just beat, like I said, the fourth best team in the country by one publication. And they're hot. I mean, they've won four in a row in this district, so they're they're right there. Then the girls in a playoff spot. I know they were ranked one of the best teams in the country going in, but in this district, they were the preseason yeah, number one. It's just yeah. it's, it's just such a tough district. They yeah. just had a really really tough loss the other night to Marcus, but they're still in a playoff spot mm-hmm. in this district. You got Flower Mounds, one of the best teams in the country in first place. You got Marcus yeah. is right behind them. It's just. In Capel girls soccer, they got so many talented girls. Too. I mean, their goalie. I think coach told me one game had seventeen one v one saves. Wow, Lauren Collette. That's why and I think we see why she's going to TCU. They've got a couple Absolutely. other girls going D one, but seventeen. Yeah, that's that's exactly what he said. What, 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 what does that say about the defense? Though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having seventeen one on one chances is not exactly ideal. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, you look at um, just the rest of this district, and what's kind of jumped out on my end has just been the uh, kind of the dominance just from start to finish for two particular teams. Um, on the girls' side, you just mentioned Flower Mound mm-hmm. and just um, the job that they've done. Now, they are ranked, you know, number one in the state by, you know, the TGCA and Top Drawer Soccer. And I believe, I don't know nationally where they stack up, but... The uh, the Lady Jaguars are having a, a special special year. Um, now, they uh, it, it's ironic too because we're about to talk about how dominant these two teams have been. I'm speaking of the Flower Mound Girls and the Marcus Boys, and they both had their unbeaten or I guess their uh, let's see what would it be their perfect record I should say snapped on Tuesday. As you mentioned, Marcus Boys losing to uh, to Capel, and then Flower Mound had its first uh, non win you should say with a draw against Hebron. They allowed their very first goal in all of district on Tuesday. I know that that's ridiculous. They I mean, pitched. You, I mean you can see why they're second in the country right now that's that's pretty ridiculous they had pitched 10 shutouts to begin and had posted an absurd goal differential of plus 43 and this is again in the district that features you know marcus capel hebert all teams that have been state or nationally ranked throughout the course of the season um and it's like who knows ultimately who they decide to give the mvp to in this district but i mean the mvp at this point is the flyer mound defense again if you're only allowed if you've only allowed one goal throughout the juncture of your district schedule and it's the thing is like they've got a lot of like there's a lot of youth back there. I believe on their on their back line they're um you know they've only really got one you know one senior Paige Slaughter that's among the the major contributors you know the junior and Madison shot a, a pair of sophomore twins and uh, and Hallie and Hannah Augustine and it's crazy too because like you could argue that their best defensive player is you know isn't even on the field right now this season with Marianne Baltmanis suffering an ACL injury early in the season um, but they've got a you know they rotate between a couple goalkeepers Peyton Whipple Molly Coff. You know, they've just been racking up shutouts left and right. Um, it's, I mean, it's a team that is, on the one hand, been incredible defensively, but they've also been really, really fortuitous in close matches. Um, you look at the stretch that they're right, right now about to embark on. You know, I mentioned that they uh, they tied Hebron on uh, on Monday. So fair play to Olivia Hassler with Hebron for being the first player in the district to crack the code and figure out how to score on Flyermounts defense. Um, but 
the first go around in district, that stretch, they played Hebron, Marcus, and Capel, and they won all three of those matches by scores of just 1-0. So, again, some good fortune in close matches. We'll see how much changes, though, the second swim that, through. I think that just speaks about the district, too. It's going to be a dogfight every yeah. night. I mean, I would not want to be a team playing any of these teams in the playoffs, honestly. Even even your mm-hmm. fourth seed is a team that can make it all the way to state. Yeah, and I mean, despite their dominance, that they still have not locked up the district championship that's, yet. They're that's only, crazy. They're only four points ahead of Marcus in second place uh, with three matches to go. So the Lady Marauders, you know, still very much in the thick of things. They're having a great season, too. They've got 40 goals in district as well. I mean, it's, it is crazy, the wealth of talent there in that district. Then you look on, on, the, uh, on the boys' side where it's actually been a bit more demonstrative for Marcus. They actually have, I guess with three matches left, they have wrapped up the district championship they do have a 10 point lead on uh, on second place Irving but um but that's kind of been the story of their season is just the wealth of scoring options that they have um you know 37 goals in district play nobody else has more than 21 um and it's just so many different options Harvey Castro Zach Castro uh Sam Coe Tomas Pondeca Porter Pomichol who's actually got an older brother I believe who plays for FC Dallas so I was some pretty good soccer genes in that family um but they uh, and that's a team that started off district on such a hot streak scoring at least three goals in their first eight district matches, but they haven't hit that mark since over their last three, so perhaps maybe the second swim-through district play teams are having a bit of a better idea on how to scheme against them and whatnot, so I'm curious to see if that's a trend that kind of holds serve the rest of the way, but they're at least assured the one seed, which certainly helps looking ahead to the uh, to the postseason, but um, uh, yeah, nevertheless, some, some very, very dominant soccer being submitted over at Flower Mound and Marcus. Um, same for Wakeland, Brian. Speaking of Wakeland, you yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Death, taxes, and Frisco Wakeland boys soccer just dominating. Um, they've scored over 50 goals in district in 14 games. Uh, they've given up 10. So if we're talking, you know, 40 goal goal differentials, mm-hmm. Wakeland's got it. Um, you know, they enter the week with 38 points. They're, uh, they will be the district champions um, once again. They've scored over 70 goals on the season. Um, and according to Top Drawer, um, they're ranked number fourth. In the entire state, that's any classification um, that puts them ahead of you know, teams like South Lake, Duncanville, Allen, etc. Um, I've been told, and just you know, from the last you know, seeing them play last year, you know, the majority of their team being juniors, um, and it kind of seems like the Coppell team um, that Chris just alluded to. You know, a lot of returning players. Um, we knew that you know they were going to be very, very good once again. I was told that this could be the best team that Wakeland has had at least since Coach Holt's tenure. Um, Coach Holt's been to state every year since he came to Wakeland three years ago. So at that point, how do you parse between how like one team being better than the other when they're well, the, all incredible? The, the first year, it was really unexpected. They had a bunch of new yeah. guys. Uh, the second year, it was a little more expected. And then last year, they didn't actually win state. They made it to state and then lost um, in, a, in a close one. So, mm-hmm. But then you know, pretty much that entire starting lineup is back and you know guys that have been playing you know big minutes since they were freshmen and sophomores you know Mark Rabonis, Todd Fuller, Bryce Bezdek you know the list goes on and on and on this team is is loaded um I I I expect them to see see them at Standard Stadium in the mm-hmm. regional tournament and I expect them to to play at Georgetown on the girls side for school Wakeland girls you know the dominant run they've been on over the last few years they might not make the playoffs right now they're the 5 seed um they've dominated against the bottom half of the district, but against the top half, the Independence's, the Lebanon Trail, who's been, yeah. you know, a, a surging you know team in this district. Memorial, who I think is a bit of surprise, their head coach is Rafael Flores, who's the previous head coach at Prosper. Um, when I first started, you know, working here four years ago, he was, you know, helped build that program to what it is now. So he's Memorial's in good hands. It's no surprise, really, no surprise, you know, with him leading the way there, mm-hmm. um, that they're in the playoff mix. But yeah, if if the playoffs were to start today, Wakeland girls would not be in it. Um, the Independence Girls team, they are 
they're dominating right there with Lebanon Trail. Um, they've tied both times they've played uh, against each other um, so far this year. So Lebanon Trail, I'm, I'm going to speak with you know K- Coach Caitlin Luters uh, later today for a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to be you know duking it out neck and neck for a district title. They've, they're the only two teams that have clinched. We'll see you know who out of Memorial Liberty and maybe Wakeland who can make the playoffs there. But that Frisco district, you know, I, I mentioned Centennial earlier. I mean, yeah, they're one in thirteen or whatever it is, and a lot of other districts they're fighting for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. That's just how good Frisco ISD from top to bottom is in boys and girls soccer. Before we get out of the first half of the podcast, I do want to touch on a little bit of 8-5-A. Um, so between Lake Dallas, Little Elm, the Colony, just what has been kind of the biggest takeaway right now, on the, I guess, either on the boys' side or the girls' side between that district? Yeah. I mean, Lake Dallas boys. Yeah, look like, at them. I mean, they started off the season <laughs> yeah. slow, right? We were talking about that, I think, when I first came here. It was the preseason from hell for the Falcons. We were yeah, freaking just, out for them, and then all yeah, of a sudden. then all of a sudden, now they look like a team that went to the regional finals last year. Now they're number one. They've got this thing locked up, and mm-hmm. I'll go talk to them next week when I get back from San Antonio for girls basketball. But I bet you they're, they're very excited over there. Both their soccer programs, boys and girls, are number one in that district. Mm-hmm. So that's a good time on campus. Good winter month there, honestly, for sports. It was only a matter of time before that boys team got it on the right track. Like it's for the folks who don't know, Lake Dallas, despite having their best season ever last year going to the regional finals, they did not win a single game in their non-district schedule. Just un- unheard of. And this That's is with crazy. a team that brings back a ton of experience, a team that was very much on the radar as a potential state title contender in 5A. Um, but, yes, it does seem like things are finally starting to take a turn for the better right now. Um, how about between Little and Brian? What's shaking over there? Little and girls soccer, you know, back in the mix yep. for a for a district title i know they just had that big win there choosing that at lake dallas got yep. a couple of goals there they had the pk there near the end of the first half now they got that playoff spot locked up really good night there and if that's the third if that's not even the first place team in the mm-hmm. district that's the team that's going to go far in the and playoffs i think pretty impressive for yeah. little um you know they had you know what was it like seven girls six seven girls mm-hmm. go play you know go sign last year to play college soccer they lost the district mvp and amaya grace and reagan dykes and a bunch of other key players and you know, here they are. And I told you about Landry Townsend. You know, she great, scored a goal. Great the goal night. Scored. Yeah. And their defense the other night, too, was phenomenal. And they lost like a bunch Dallas. of their big defensive players. But, you know, they have, you know, really go- a, a good goalkeeper they're really high mm-hmm. on. You know, this is a little um, girls team mm-hmm. that's, like I said, graduated a lot of players, but still has a lot of, you know, players with experience from and, a team that lost. And they're getting better as the season goes on. They've had a couple big wins the last few weeks. That's a testament to their coaching staff, too, just for getting you so much better as the season goes on. Now I think they're peaking at the right time, just kind of like the Capel boys are in 6-6A, like we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Oh, whereas the tenor of the podcast has been, you know, generally a pretty positive one. Well, it's going to it's going to take a turn over the over the back half uh-huh. as we have more uh, we have more sad clown face action on the high school basketball courts and um, the the craziest coaching DeAndre saga. Jordan saga, <laughs> <laughs> the craziest coaching saga to pass through our coverage area in some time. Uh, that and more after a quick break. And we are back, and um, we're going to transition now from talking some high school soccer to uh, hitting things up on the hard court. Because right now, uh, you know, if you think back to Monday's podcast, guys, and the general tenor of the boys' basketball playoffs has been a bit downtrodden, given how quickly so many of our teams have been uh, have been dismissed from the postseason. And um, yeah, wouldn't you know it? Uh, just form held on Tuesday. <laughs> so we have three more teams that have uh, that have played the final uh, the final game of their respective seasons, including one who had a perfect season go up and. Sm- Oak. So let's rip the Band-Aid off out in Carrollton. The uh, the dream season, the uh, the pursuit of perfection for Newman Smith came to an end in the regional quarterfinals as they ran into 
Kimball, a team that is well well known as being one of the uh, one of the powerhouse programs in the uh, in the state over the last over the last many years um, and whatnot. So the uh, yes, the Kimball Knights were able to hand Newman Smith their first loss of the season, and it won even close, one hundred one. <laughs> to 73 and if you're breaking 100 points in the postseason that is a that is making a statement right there i mean you look at that i mean that's again that's nba level output in a 32 minute high school basketball game um you know this was matchup between number six in the state versus number eight um you know obviously uh you know kimball revealed there's a bit of a chasm there more so than you'd uh, you'd expect but um you know the story of this one coming in was you know if you looked at this kimball team and just the you know just on paper it's a team that newman smith just hadn't seen anything like that all season, and not just in terms of just the top shelf talent with one of the absolute best sophomores in the state in Arterio Morris, but just how big and long and athletic that roster was. I think like half their roster is comprised of dudes at least six foot four, and it sounds like that uh, that length really, really kind of caught Newman Smith by surprise on uh, on Tuesday, and really kind of prevented their um you know that offense from ever fully finding a uh, a rhythm. And it didn't help then when you know Kimball was just bombing away from three as as well. I mean, it's it's crazy. They scored at least thirty points. Points in two of those in two of those four quarters on Tuesday, um, you know Bobby Smith for uh, for Newman Smith was able to at least get going on his own twenty seven points and whatnot. But um, you know the uh, you mentioned on uh, in the in the second round against Centennial how uh, you know their leading scorer Jaron Cook you know had a bit of a bit of an off game by his standards was four, four points. points. He had only three in this game, so I don't know if it's just a, if there was an injury late in the season that he was having to kind of play through or whatnot. But uh, you know an uncharacteristic close to what's been one of the better careers of any athlete to pass through Newman Smith's basketball program. Yeah, I'm not not sure what you know was going on with with Jaron Cook. I, I mean, I didn't even think to ask you know. Coach, uh, you know Percy mm-hmm. Percy Johnson, right? Percy Johnson, yeah. Jackson, yeah. Percy I, did, I didn't even you know even ask him about that. You know the rest of the team just played so well. I felt like they didn't even need Jaron Cook. I felt like they were you know their starting five plus their sixth man, uh, and Thibaut Tagnon was so good, and their you know their big man uh, Damani Valerial mm-hmm. was just so dominant. That, you know they didn't really need Jaron Cook, but it is kind of alarming to see you know I, you know his you know the last two playoff games was seven combined points, and then when you told me he's like the he's the only kid on the on the roster. That that signed to go play college he, basketball, which he, he is was also a, surprising. He was an all-area pick for us last year, no doubt. I mean, he's a great player. No, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. But yeah. like, I, you know, seeing guys like Bobby Smith and the big man Damani and Tebow, like, I figured, you know, those guys would be at least, you know, signed somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was, I was kind of surprised that Jared Cook was the only guy. Um, but you know, against Kimball, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to need your 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 leading score, your start player to really mm-hmm. step up. I, I was disappointed to see, you know, you know the the outcome against Kimball. But man, Kimball's been doing this to everyone. Yeah, you know, they, you know, they beat. You know, Independence by double digits, but they were beating it pretty good. You know, Morris had 36 points. I, I, you know, I, I, after that game, I looked him up. You know, four-star recruit, Kansas, oh, yeah. yada, yada, yada. He's that special talent, you know, right there with like a Keontae George type For player. Sure. Um, so, I mean, there's no shame to losing, you know, to a team like Kimball who, you know, their only losses really, like what you were telling me before we got on the air, was like to Lancaster and, you know, other state Yeah, because that's the thing with Kimball is like, whereas they might not have as glossy a win-loss record as Newman Smith did heading into this tested. matchup. Yeah. Yes, you look at the schedule that Kimball has played and the teams that they've taken losses to. They have two losses to Lancaster, the number one team in 5A. They have, uh, I guess, two losses to South Oak Cliff, you know, the number nine team in 5A entering the playoffs. Uh, they lost to Katie Morton Ranch, who's number 14, I think, over in 
and 6A. They're playing in their regional tournament. Um, so they lost to some um, some pretty heavyweight programs that, you know, obviously uh, Newman Smith did not have, did not see that caliber of, of opposition on their schedule. But still, I mean, obviously still, even though it doesn't end the way that I'm sure that the Trojans had any, you know, any visions of it ending in a, you know, a near 30-point blowout. But still, a, I mean, still a history-making season for them. They matched their deepest playoff run ever getting to the regional tournament for the first time since, I want to say, 2006. Um, just a, I mean, still a special group for that program, all things considered. Obviously, though, in the moment, though, it certainly does sting when your season goes up in, in smoke in, in such decisive fashion. But, yeah, I mean, this sets the stage for... You know, who knows what kind of you know if Kimball's able to win one more game and perhaps draw Lancaster then in the uh, in the regional <laughs> tournament because it's I mean there aren't too many players that uh, I would imagine Lancaster has seen that have the ability to match Mike Miles you know just from his output I mean Kimball's got one of them. I mean, that's got to count for something for sure. But they, they have three of them. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing about Lancaster's. They just run so many guys. It's not just Mike Miles. I mean, obviously, he's kind of the headliner, but they've just got so many. Marco Taylor, I mean, just Marco Foster, I should say. I mean, they've just got so many guys I mean, on that team. It's, so, but it would be a fun. I mean, you mentioned Kimball scoring 101. But that Lancaster team is capable of scoring oh, yeah. 101. I mean, what guy? Could you imagine the pace in that one? Oh, no doubt, yeah. And that's the thing. Obviously, when you score over 100 points, it wasn't just one guy that did the heavy lifting. You know, Morris finished with 23 points, and despite being a point guard, he had 10 rebounds and four assists and whatnot. But, you know, Marcus Bonner, uh, DeMarcus Rolston, they all had 20 points apiece. I mean, there's, I mean, it sounds like this is a very, very deep, talented team that Kim, that Newman Smith just ran into, a team unlike any that was on their uh, on their schedule. And it panned out as such. Uh, let's see whether it's um, Salina or Mesquite Horn who had their respective season's end. Where do we want to go with this next gentleman? Man. Man, oh man! Talk about another <laughs> Dallas ISD area, you know, program and, and Dallas Carter. They're about as good as advertised. The, yeah. the number two team in the state in four A. You know, all you know, all five of their starters. Every guy that came in off the bench just was just a was just a, a baller. That you, you know that they would be you know one of the top players for Salina. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the eighth guy off the bench. You know, they had a six foot nine kid that was just scoring at will in the third quarter. Um, they had a six foot five guard. Uh, and Jalen Williams, who had 17 points in the first quarter, he outscored Salina by himself. He had three threes. He had, had an alley oop dunk. He had a fast break dunk. How do you stop that when a guy's hitting from the outside, you know, scoring at will in the paint? And, and uh, Coach Bobby Stastny told me after the game that you know, on film they hadn't seen him shoot the three ball like that in the five, six, seven games that they had seen on him. So they started the game out in the zone. Well, if Carter is hitting their threes. It's game over for you because if they're if they're tearing up your zone, then you got to go to man, and then most you know they're probably more athletic than most of any other team you're playing uh, as personnel. So then you know then you go to man, and then you're kind of screwed. Uh, but Salina held their own, and that was despite you know Carson Snasney you know having one of his poor shooting performances on the year. I think he was three for twelve. He missed four or five free throws, and this dude is automatic from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I've seen this kid hit uh, 12 free throws in a row in a fourth quarter to close out Melissa in, in district play. And, you know, an all-area kid from last year, Carson yep, Stanton. No I mean, he still had like 14 points, but it wasn't like, you know, his normal 14 or normal 20 or whatever that he averages. Um, it, it, just Carter was just a little too much. You know, Salina was chipping away. They got it within 10 points a couple times in the third in fourth quarter, but I mean Carter was just uh, just a little too much. Do I think Carter is the second best team in the state? I don't know, maybe not, but they're just a notch above Salina, mm-hmm. and you know a great 
uh, in for the season for Salina, you know, with, you know, making it to the third round, third straight district title after not having won a district title in 40 years, you know, prior to three years ago with this, with this group of seniors and led, led by Carson Stastny, you know, leading the way. Um, it, it's, it's been a very special group and, you know, they, the, the, the JV and the younger kids at Salina, they, they have some big shoes to fill. So it's just a question of just how long you can go before you run into one of those DISD juggernauts. That, that's the thing. With so many, you know, at the 4A and 5A level, it, you're bound to, you know, especially, you know, being in the DFW, mm-hmm. you know, like, the you know, Frisco District last year, having to run into teams like Lancaster. Like, it's it's going to happen, you know, or Kimball, you know, mm-hmm. the, these teams. It's, it's going to happen, and that, that's just – it's hard to make it state because, you know, there's the boogeyman Dallas ISD mm-hmm. here. Uh, Devin with Horn, um, you know they ran into the uh, the number three team in the state, Colleen Ellison, and uh, you know the the final result was um, was about I guess what one might expect. So what was um, what was the takeaway though from the uh, from the Jaguars and their and their swan song to the 2019-20 season? Uh, you know I was a little bit surprised just because you know we talked last week about the fact that Horn has played a lot of state ranked mm-hmm. opponents this year and, and won a lot of those games and competed well in a lot of those games. They just couldn't get untracked. Yeah. On Tuesday, I mean, they were down seventeen to four early on, uh, down forty-one to twenty at halftime, and that was really it. I mean, they played better in the second half; it was more even. But when you're already down twenty, that doesn't even it even doesn't get you anywhere. Um, you know, I mean, if you would have told me that uh, they, they were going to score fifty-two points beforehand, I would have said they're going to get beat by twenty. That's not their style. That's not the pace they like to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you look at their scoring line: uh, Zakir score, uh, Sawyer scores thirteen points, Isaiah Chandler and Donovan Payne each score nine. Okay, this is a team that routinely has three or four guys in double figures sure. when they're when they're firing all cylinders. You know, Preston Amond. Um, you know, their six, seven versatile forward uh, was hurt on the final play regulation in their overtime win against McKinney. Uh, did not play on Tuesday, so that hurt him. But that certainly wasn't the only fa- only factor. Right? Horn had been prone to a couple of those games. Uh, there was a couple during district where they just they just were kind of off, and um, they were able to overcome that. Um, you know, you know, but they weren't playing the number three team in the state in Ellison. But you know, all things considered, it was a, a great season for Horn. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is only the second time they've ever made it to the regional quarterfinals. So, um, hats off to them for that. As for the future, it's really interesting to see because they had of the fifteen players they had on their playoff roster, eleven of them were seniors. Wow! And of the, I believe, eight players who scored on. Uh, Tuesday, seven more senior. The only person that scored at, was that's going to be coming back next year is uh, Bryson Smith, who's a sophomore, who's a nice piece. He hit the game tying free throw against McKinney to send it to overtime mm-hmm. uh, last week. But uh, you know, Horn's been able to to bring some new guys up and and, and to kind of be able to 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 rebuild. I mean, reload instead of rebuild. But when you lose in that quality of a senior class that that was able to kind of make history for that program, real to see, interesting to see where they go next year. But obviously, hats off to them for a great season this year. Just a continuation of what's been a very very short lived postseason in Star Local Media for <laughs> boys basketball. Whereas we got three teams that are headed to as a state on the girls side with Argyle, Frisco Liberty, and McKinney. Uh, the boys side though, it's been a, it's been a bit of a different story. Um, all right, so let's let's close this out with something that I guess uh, I don't know wasn't anticipating that we'd be talking about this, but um, as of uh, yesterday afternoon, certainly one of the more uh, bizarre stories to come down the pipe <laughs> in uh, in our coverage area in some time. So um, you know, so my plan on Tuesday was to go cover that Newman Smith Kimball game, and then I start getting word you know earlier in the uh, earlier in the week that um, hey, school board beating tomorrow night at Plano ISD. It's looking like the Wildcats might have found their man. And um, okay, well if there's anything that's going to drag me. Out 
got to a school board. I think I've only covered one other school board meeting in my time at the paper, and it was Terry when Terry Gamble was named Allen's next head coach. Um, so yes, um, I was uh, I was sure enough uh, had to put basketball on hold for a night, and I was out of the PISD administrative center to watch Cody Moore of Denton Braswell get approved by the school board as the uh, the next head coach at Plano Senior. So I feel like this story is about to take a turn. <laughs> so for folks who have not heard, yes, the story did in fact take a very very unexpected turn. So uh, you know you began to hear kind of some rumors circulating, you know, at least in, in my neck of the woods early yesterday afternoon that I'm hearing that Coach Moore might uh, might not exactly be taking the job after all. And mm-hmm. whoa. What do you mean? <laughs> and then it's been approved. Uh, it's... Yes, I saw him in person. I talked to him. I have the audio. I can confirm it. It was not just a dream. Um, and then at uh, yes, I guess right around what would you say about three thirty or so, you get the video that was posted by the Denton ISD uh, Twitter account, which I believe you have on your phone right now, Brian. Yeah. And it's of Coach Moore. You can tell a very emotional Coach Moore addressing his players at Braswell, and he tells them that he is in fact staying. And you've seen, if you haven't seen the video, it's all over social media. It did sort of go viral, but I mean, his, the players just erupt. You know, just they, they swarm him with hugs and cheers, and it's such a you know, it's it's a it's a pretty nice little reaction. Well, because it was supposed they, they they thought it was a farewell. Oh yeah, they, they thought coaches coming by to say his last goodbyes, and so they, I mean, I don't think they had any idea, and you could tell by their reaction. Mm-hmm. It was almost like that scene on Wolf of Wall Street. I know it's not kid-friendly <laughs> <Yes>. movie. <laughs> like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> so what was – yeah, I mean, this was – I mean, this floored a lot of people just because of the surprising nature of how far along in this process they had got. I mean, I'm sure there's been times in years past where you've had a coach interview for a job, and then, you know, after the interview you go home, you know, you think about it again and talk it over with your family and whatnot, and you just, you know, you have a bit of a change of heart. But to get as far as they did in this process where he was – not only did he accept the job at Plano, but he was then approved by the school board. I mean, it was they were ready to begin the Cody Moore era with the Wildcats, and then to then have the about face. Um, I, I just can't recall anything anything quite like that, at least in my time at the paper. What was um what was y'all's just initial reaction to seeing this uh, this bizarre circumstance unfold? Plano ISD. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, just because of the just the, it's just been Plano ISD has kind of been the epicenter of all these it's, crazy events over the last uh, year or so. But you know, I have uh, you know I have done stories. Um, because they're head football coaches, and a lot of people try to keep this really hush hush. Mm-hmm. And I've done stories. I've interviewed coaches that have that have accepted the position, only to back out later. Um, but the big difference is this was pre school board approval. Yeah, this was. I mean, I had the story um, ready to go just because I wanted. To, I, maybe I could make the school board meeting, or maybe I just wanted to, to release it as soon as the mm-hmm. second it was it was released. But I mean, I've had that happen a handful of times where I've talked to coaches and they've gushed over the job they're about to take and about the new administration and about the school district. And then they sleep on it or they talk to get home and talk to their family and they ultimately decide that's not the right thing for them. Or maybe sometimes it's a salary thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, but for, regardless of the reason, at the bottom line, it's, what, it's their decision. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what was so bizarre about the, the case what happened yesterday is all these cases, it was all done. Nothing was public. No one ever knew about this except for a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was 
brought to the school board, approved. He was, you know, he talked to you. He talked to other media. He, I mean, this he, was a he done took deal. pictures with that, players and attendance. Players, yeah. Yes, and, and that sto- the story was on. I mean, it was done. It was a yeah. done deal. And to change your mind after that, again, that's I guess that's his, it's his prerogative. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I don't know how that works in terms of if he officially signed his contract, and I don't know how that yeah. works in terms of that. But that just the fact of the matter that he'd already been presented in front of the school board. He'd been approved. That's usually the final step for sure any, any kind of deliberation inside of, of whether or not you're going to back out or not usually takes place beforehand and i don't remember you know you've seen it sometimes in colleges where things get crazy for sure uh, they, they agree to a contract terms and then something happens and you know all, all heck breaks loose but no in terms of around here especially i don't remember anything like it what i'm thinking is you know maybe it, he was already second guessing the decision before that school board meeting tuesday why, why else would you you know one day after the fact you just make an, an, another humongous decision be like, you know, I'm going to stay. Maybe the whole time he was like, man, Plano ISD, they haven't been in the right place for, what, 20 years now? Well, t- at least 10 years now, the Plano ISD hasn't been what it's been. Maybe that Plano job isn't as sexy as it's made out to be. Maybe that's what it is. Granted, you know, he, he started Denton Braswell. You know, he helped open that school. And, the, you know, they're you know they're making huge steps, you know, making the leap to 6A, obviously, next year. But... I think it's more so on Plano. I think I think it's just not that you know coveted of a position anymore. Because it's a it's a case where with with Braswell, like because obviously the you know to hear the the comments from Coach Moore since then, um, you know at least the word that's you know that's out there in the public is just it's it sounds like just the connection that he had with Braswell was was so unique that you know getting away from that was something that uh, he just couldn't bring himself to do. And again, like it's a case where you have to get him like get some truth serum in him, maybe find out the uh, you know obviously there was speculation that whether it was something on Plano's end, whether maybe Denton ISD came in at the eleventh hour with just something that he just he couldn't turn down. Maybe so. Or again. Maybe Maybe he just loves Braswell that much because the truth is, like, this is Coach Moore's first ever head coaching job, and it's a unique one in the respect that he's the only head coach this program has ever had. He built this thing from the ground up. So I think that versus taking over an established program as your first ever head coaching job, when you legit, like, are the – when you are the face of that program in a sense, like, that's – I think you build a uh, – the connection that you build with those kids is a little bit different. So, I mean – and you can clearly see based on that video how much those kids love him. And, I mean, that's – so whether or not it was something like that that he just again he couldn't bring himself to you know to you know to turn his to turn his back on it's um again it's it's all just conjecture at this point if plano was fresh off you know a, a, a third round trip in the playoffs and they didn't just didn't have all these you know you know, I don't want to say failures, but, you know, these letdown of the seasons over the last, you know, five, ten years. If Plano was still kind of Plano maybe 15, 20 years ago, you're taking that job. Are you not? But I think it's also a case of, like, this is, you know, kind of ushering in a new era in Plano ISD athletics because a lot of that regime is, you know, obviously the athletic director. They've had a big change there within the last, you know, within the last month. Um, so, and then, yeah, you I mean, you wonder how, like, I mean, just how Jeff Smith must have been feeling when he was told this news. His first hire. First big, big yeah, yeah. First big. His first big hire. And then. And to have this be the way that it goes, I mean, like it's because I mean you, the, the reaction around the community after this news was one of like, wow, okay, not bad, Plano. You know, you get a guy who's you know had a you know again a, who turned this Braswell program into a from, from yeah. three wins in 2018 to nine wins last year. His track record on the offensive side of the ball with Rockwall and Horn and now Braswell. I mean, it was a chance to see like I mean really like a, a brand new era in and, Plano and, Wildcat and, and football outside of the circle. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, that, someone that didn't have those deep Plano yep. ties and something that uh, kind of bring an outside perspective. In, that's always in, been something that Plano ISD has sort of been kind of criticized for in the past. So is he the has no Plano connection whatsoever. No, 
Um, so yeah, then to uh, but then to have it go this way, and I mean, it is it is kind of funny just to see how this uh, like how this was all received, you know, on on social media and whatnot. Whereas like again, like that video went viral, and this is like oh what a, what an outstanding moment, you know. It's so what a you know good for you, Coach Moore. And whereas on the on the one hand, like it's awesome for those Braswell kids yeah. because again, that's the only coach yeah. that they've that they've known at the high school level. But then you got to wonder like. On the other side of the Metroplex, like, how the heck are those Plano kids feeling? Yeah. When you have Coach Smith coming in there and explaining to them that, yeah, yeah, this guy that you just saw last night that was announced as your head coach, he ain't coming here. <laughs> I mean, so it's, you know, because, again, there was a lot of turnout there at that school board meeting. There was a lot of maroon and white, lots of kids, lots of parents. Coach Kimbrough, one of the most iconic coaches in the state's history, was out there for this one. And, yeah, to, I mean, he was take, he said he took pictures with everybody after the fact. And really, I mean, again, he sounded like he was ready to go and was really ready to embrace himself and, you know, get himself and just the history and tradition that Plano senior football is about and be the man to help, you know, kind of resurrect that program now. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it puts, it's definitely, uh, kind of puts PISD in a bit of an awkward spot now going forward. Um, and again, yeah, they're just going to look to, uh, move as fast as they can to get this thing filled and we'll see where it goes. But yes, as, uh, uh yes, Cody Moore will, uh, will not in fact be coaching the, uh, the Plano Wildcats going forward. I did, uh, obviously after hearing this, I was like, okay, well, let's see. Well, you know, cause the thing Braswell is making the jump to six a and, you know, as, as productive as things were last year in seven, five, a division two, where they were able to get a share of the district title and whatnot go two rounds deep in the playoffs, you're now in the same district as Allen and Geyer and Prosper and even McKinney and whatnot. And I mean, it's a little low. The, play- <laughs> <laughs> the playoffs are no guarantee for Braswell next year at all. No. Not at all. If you look at the, uh, <coughs> At uh, you know some of the talent in five six a, but they're also going to be in the neighboring district with Plano ISD and Louisville ISD and Capel over in six six a. So I was wondering, what would it take to potentially get Plano and Braswell in the playoffs? Uh, rivalry as old as time. And uh, because hey, I mean, if that game were to happen, though, man, can you imagine though just the the emotion leading into that one? <laughs> You don't think things would be died down by then? There'd be some bad blood? I think after, yeah. I think after a situation like this, as unprecedented and rare as a situation like this is, it might, it'll might it die down in time, but obviously yeah. in the moment, at least within the first year afterwards, I mean, those two schools, two schools that I don't know how many times they've ever played each other in athletics period across anything, but they're now going to be linked in a way in football yeah. just with this, with, this, uh, with this bizarre, bizarre turn of events. But um, the odds of them ever colliding in the postseason are highly unlikely. Plus, uh, you know, Plano ISD... Uh, has the obviously the three largest enrollments in uh, in District Six XA. Plano has the third highest of those enrollments. So in order for them to go Division Two and draw Braswell at some point in the postseason, you would need all three Plano ISD schools to make the playoffs. Should also note that Plano ISD collectively missed the playoffs last year for the first time in 30 years. So I don't know if that scenario is going to pan out next season. I I, I would not be one to pay to to place money on it. Um, but yes, a um just a, a fascinating story. Certainly one and you mentioned this Devin too like what a just the last six seven months for Plano ISD and just some of the headlines <laughs> that that school district has generated I, I've been I've been you know reporting for the Plano Star Courier since 2009 and I think over the course of the first 10 years of the paper there were not as many combined as there have been over the last six months as far as I mean you, you think back to the the El Paso Eastwood situation with Plano and a story that made national news and was I mean again as 
as wild a story as anything that Plano ISD athletics has ever been embroiled in. And then it leads to the football season itself with, like I just mentioned, all three teams missing the playoffs for the first time in three decades. That leads to then the change at, or at least, you know, then later on is the change at athletic director with Gerald Brents retiring, Jeff Smith coming in. Eight days later, he, you know, they reassign the longest tenured head coach among the three high schools and Jadon McCullough. And then now they hire a guy who then, <laughs> who then backs out of the job or at least stays at his. What's next? It's, yeah, it has become a, uh, some high drama over in Plano ISD that uh, we did not necessarily have the first uh, 10 years of my tenure with the paper. So it's, um, it's wild. Yeah. What a, what a story yesterday that developed between Plano and Braswell. Um, so yeah, just wanted to obviously bring uh, some thoughts on that to the air since that was a story that, uh, that dominated local uh, Texas high school football circles yesterday. And, um, and yeah, that'll, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the star local media high school sports podcast. We will be back on Monday to probably talk some fallout from the, from the, uh, the state girls basketball tournament. And who else knows where, uh, where Monday's episode will take us. So um, until then folks, you enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.